So the reason we have uh, titled this talk as Towards a Spiritualized Society because it is something which is not yet realized uh, but towards which humanity is inevitably moving. In human nature, in fact, uh, in the entire creation, right from the moment it has sprung from the hands of God, we see that uh, there are two tendencies which are simultaneously present. If you were to use the language of physics, we would say a centripetal tendency which draws all things towards the center and a centrifugal tendency which travels far and wide from the center. And both these movements are part of a single plan. If the centripetal tendency is too strong, there is an inevitable absorption of all things into the origin. In spiritual terms, it is a kind of dissolution. But in ignorance, if a human being tries to do that, it is another kind of dissolution, a kind of self-destruction, an implosion, if you may use the word. Similarly, a centrifugal tendency, if it is too strong, it tends to move far and away from the center. And with each step, there is a degree of deviation, distortion, etc., etc. It, it can end up with extreme division. But the beauty of the cosmos is that it has been created by a very fine balance. And the balance is maintained precisely because how much ever we may focus on this or that tendency or this or that aspect. There is a force of harmony that runs through the entire fabric of creation. In material creation, it's so evident that it's almost obvious. And uh, in, in, in the wild, in wilderness, in nature, we can see that how things grow up in a very spontaneous, organic way. There is a very interesting conversation of the mother which where there is a discussion going on between human ways of doing things and uh, natural ways of doing things. So she gives one of her own examples, one of her own stories where she entered a garden which for many years was closed. Uh, there was a door and there was a kind of space where things were growing and it wasn't really taken care of and when she opened she saw a different kind of beauty, which we all can, I mean, I, I remember in my own childhood, I'm sure, where there is n not the human interference, because we have a tendency to do things in this way or that way, and we think that is the right way, the correct way, always I am, I am the right one. And when you leave it to nature, nature does it so organically, different plants, different creatures, they all come together very organically in a very fine, delicate um, relationship which only you know because nature lives with the spirit of oneness we lack it and Shubindo describes that uh, spirit of oneness as a bud springs it's there in birth of the mother in Savitri but coming back to this two tendencies uh, they are everywhere and all tendencies in fact not only these but every tendency every activity every movement has an original right. Now this original right, right with a capital R, that's why it's called as Rit Chit in Indian thought. Original right means 
it is rooted in truth rooted in knowledge and it has an original deviation which is moves away from that truth so which is in ignorance there is an effort or attempt to manifest that something so let's come to this these two tendencies so the centripetal tendency its original truth is that all things are moving towards the divine element and to discover the divine within is one of the greatest highest adventures but in ignorance this tendency takes the form of an extreme form of egoism an egoistic individual mother uh, said somewhere very half jokingly and shirbindo also replied something like that when someone says isn't a spiritual person very selfish and she said it in that case the divine is the most <laughs> egoistic person this was her way of communicating of course Uh, these are quotes which can easily be misquoted <laughs> but what she meant is all things he is drawing towards himself and there is a reason within behind it there is a meaning behind it so all things because they are being attracted towards the divine uh, because they are rooted in the divine it's an inevitable thing whether we like it or not they are attracted towards the divine the truth of this centripetal tendency is to discover our own highest self which is in the divine all else can come later on but equally the centripetal tendency is centrifugal tendency is what creation is meant for creation is all about the manifestation of the divine and manifestation must go far and wide in space and time to express the one so what happens in that process is that as i mean creation leaps from the hand of god and it's so wonderful but it passes through many 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 hands and why it passes through many hands because uh, it's not easy for that tremendous effulgence to bring out anything which can ever remain permanently as if separate and distinct from him it's just not possible it will it's like out of this you know you go near the sun and yet keep something like an individual consciousness or an individual form it is going to vanish so by diminishing or decreasing his own effulgence step by step grade by grade degree by degree which is all creation is all about that what shubhendra and the mother have described as involution so successively at each level there are those hands mother has used the word formatures in india we use the word many many gods angels we all know in different traditions through which it passes and as it passes through the hands as we know each hand distorts it a little the original four gods as it is called they still hold the truth but as it passes there is a tendency to this distortion is not conscious it's because a limitation every any form and even a god has to limit himself to one aspect and it undergoes a little distortion little distortion until we know what we have we experienced today we all have to take it as an article of faith or believe that this is an act of god but when we look at this world <laughs> the most spontaneous uh, natural response of most human beings is if this is what god has created <laughs> good lord what has he created because when you look at the world as it is in out outer field and looking at these 
this stark contrast between the origin whenever we conceive even leave aside the experience how do we conceive of the divine as truth as beauty as delight as harmony as wisdom as power but when we look at this world it seems to have become just its very opposite truth has to be dug deep and even there there are many uh, much rumors about truth but truth is something which escapes even the most astute observer harmony we all want but we fight not with our neighbors that comes later but with those within the same room we conceive of the divine as all love and we all want love but we we did not speak of what it what this has become in human nature it is its origin is delight but here even for a little joy human beings have to struggle the power has become like the weak helplessness of a child all knowledge has concealed itself so much so that with all our advance nowadays there is a talk about artificial intelligence and i am wondering when they will have a machine which can predict with 100% accuracy the next moment with no possibility of error because that will be something this is our state in which we live so there have been mystics who saw this distortion they never understood why it is and therefore they they sought release the extreme sentimental pital tendency of merging in the divine vanishing and naturally if a merger in the divine of an individual i am not going into the metaphysics of does an individual exist or not <laughs> well individualities exist and if individualities exist there is a reason why they exist but nevertheless they thought that entering into that state of complete vanishing into that one is the best thing to do because they saw the manifestation and they had some intuitive sense as i said all of us when we conceive of the divine we conceive like that so going back into the source as it is called they considered as the highest possibility but we also see another spiritual trend in mankind and that trend is towards generalizing the spiritual consciousness in the race so that's where the spiritualized society comes into play and there have been several attempts several appro- approximations which have all been a partial success and a partial failure they have lived for a term they have vanished and yet these efforts were like milestones in their own time and one of the things when we go back to indian thought sanatan dharma we see that you know they started with the one purusha and different aspects different uh, types of humanity is emerging different types of creation is emerging and we see that there was an effort to bring in the divine in every element of life be it music dance art poetry literature science astronomy geography history everywhere so essentially the second tendency is how to bring the divine in life in every element because if we don't do that then we'll only dream of a spiritualized society it will never be really realized so the essence of spiritualized society is not just that there are spiritual individuals who have realized the divine of course that's the first aspect 
but they are able to manifest the divine in their life because that is the way this distortion can get corrected. Even as Savitri says, one man's perfection still can save the world. Even if in one tendency, one aspect, one of us is able to manifest the divine impulsion without distortion, then life, you know, the distortion will once again be restored to its original beauty in the manifestation. Its original beauty exists. The divine perfection exists inside. But to manifest it is the challenge. And to, you know, top it all, human beings, we are given this task of correcting the distortion and restoring it back to its pristine, original beauty and purity of the divine. It's a very challenging task. And we see human beings attempting it through the ages. And time to time, when it doesn't work out, then the divine himself takes a human form, takes it one step forward. And that is how the process goes on. So when we see some of the attempts of creating a spiritualized society, one way that humanity has tried is through religion. But it has tried to create a kind of unity through a religious gospel. But then we we need to see that there are four aspects that must be simultaneously present in a social fabric. And that is the big challenge. One is unity. But along with unity, there is another aspect of the divine equally important. Liberty, freedom. He is eternally free. Bound by nothing. Even if he enters the creation, he is not bound. He is free. Even with chains around him, he is free. This is the kind of freedom of the divine. So along with unity, there is liberty. How are we to reconcile these two? Then there is the third term, which is equality. And the fourth term is fraternity. There is a slight difference between the two. And Shubindu says fraternity is the key. But we will come to this a little later. And Shubindu uses these as four wheels of the ideal society that human beings have conceived. Unity, equality, liberty and fraternity. And he, this beautifully uh, you know, imaged in the chariot of Jagannath. So that story is very fascinating in India. Every year we have the car festival. So Jagannath is the lord of the world and that's, that story is so symbolic, this act, this ritual. So Jagannath is kept in the sanctum, sanctorum. It's not easy to visit him. The temple is not open to all, whether we like it or not. So there is the Jagannath in his sanctum, sanctorum, where one has to be you know, they have put it as rules and regulations. But behind the rules and regulations, this this understanding that not all can enter into it. This is a very paradoxical thing. Yet, once a year, he comes out. And when he comes out, that's when the car is dragged by so many. There are many variations of this festival in Indian um, setting. We recently had Masimagam. All the gods are coming out into the open. So that is the time when the divine comes out, the lord of the world comes out and there are these four wheels. So these four wheels are unity, equality, liberty and fraternity. Now in the chariot there is this, El says there have been attempts to create this society. 
but it doesn't work out. Why? Because in the chariot of Jagannath, the center stage is not occupied by the people who are pulling the cart. He may be a king or he may be a sweeper. Yet all are pulling the cart. The king is the first one. He sweeps, but ultimately all are together. The center stage is not even occupied by the chariot. The center stage is the Jagannath, who is the Lord. Very beautifully it is conjured in one of the poems by Tagore and the original version runs like this that as the chariot is being dragged there are plenty of people falling prostrate on the floor. So he says that Poth Bhave Amidev they are falling on the road so the road thinks I am God. Roth Bhave Amidev so the chariot thinks they are going to me. I am God. Then the idol thinks I am God. And then he closes with the punchline. Hase Antaryami. The indwelling God laughs. Now you see this is the whole problem. If you look at it, it's very beautifully explains. We have this tendency, very natural tendency in any human grouping. And that's why he cautions that in the age that is going to come, spiritual age, the society will not be organized with few luminous individuals and the rest in a shadowy background. It doesn't work like that. So that age is gone. When there was a Babaji sitting out there and you know, plenty of people all around saying, Ha, ah, so wonderful. And afterwards, you know, they are all with their desires. This is not the way spiritual age can be created. This, this way religion can be created. Where there are plenty of followers and there is somebody who is the head. And we see how beautifully and subtly the mother and Shobindo removed this mindset from the human thought. So when Shobindo will have the setting of the evening talks, can we imagine with all those realizations, Shobindu is sitting and all of us are sitting around him and all kinds of questions they were asking. They were not just asking that, teach us how to meditate. Somebody will talk about you know, the movement that is taking place, uh, the Khilafat movement. Somebody will ask about Gandhi's Sharka and very humorously with his own characteristic wonderful humor Shurabindu is patiently replying art, music, everything he was actually sowing the seeds of a new spiritualized society which is going to emerge in every sphere evening talks are a marvel that way and then the mother playing tennis throwing toffees also meditating with everyone in every sphere going you know, to the theater and explaining what Radha's dance should be or Shobindo correcting a poem. In every sphere and activity, they were manifesting the divine, teaching us how to really manifest the divine. So if we get that key, then things are going to become beautiful. I mean, they, they will become what they are meant to be. But what happens with all these previous efforts, why they failed? So we see, for instance, two very prominent failures we can see. One was Islam started with a universal brotherhood. And why it failed? 
because it ended up with brotherhood of the believers all others so see unity comes at the expense of liberty and with passage of time there is this tendency to extremely crystallize religion is mother says it's at the higher mind the spiritual realization is brought to the higher mind where it tends to crystallize over a period of time human beings become followers without following which makes it very you know difficult and she been the cautions that he says for the way humanity deals with an ideal is to pay a lip service to it and they join the ideal or a group only to use it as an excuse to do things which are diametrically opposed to the ideal and the history of spiritual efforts and religions is so so evident one joins and then one says okay fine now i have the concession now that there is swami ji before so they broke all these patterns see there is no swami in shirobindo ashram even shirobindo refused to put anything before shirobindo and when people said we have to become like shirobindo he says no one is enough but we have to discover the shirobindo and the mother in, in us with with the help of the master and that's how he says in the synthesis you have to discover the divine master in you here the, he uses the word that who is leading this yoga guiding this yoga it is the same divine master who is guiding this world he is the outer manifestation the avatar who stands at the gate but more important is to realize that presence within us this is the first fundamental requirement religions over a period of time forget that the spiritual impulse is lost and wherever it is lost it doesn't revivify itself through new fresh um, you know beings who come up and realize the same truth in new ways it tends to dwindle into a very hardcore religion and the second example which shirobindo said was the uh, one of the best attempts to create a spiritualized society and we'll be very surprised when we hear about the events that are going on nowadays he said was the khalsa panth really look at the way the sikh tradition tried to organize what was the way they tried to organize the the last guru he stepped into the background he said no more any gurus after this this book is your guide now what was the book book was a compendium like the vedas all the teachings of great masters you can trace it it speaks about krishna it speaks about hari it speaks about shiva i mean one of the famous dehe shivaye varmohe it speaks about the great masters so basically the book was a pointer that there are so many ways that you can find the divine inside and he stepped into the background and the teaching was very simple the teaching was serve with everyone whatever you have discovered within kirat kar wand chak so you discover the divine within through meditation through remembrance and share it with all so institutions started where you know sharing of all this uh, sanja chula many things common kitchen or commune all this started but what happened over a period of time unless you revivify vivify it with people who come as realized beings same melody took over 
and how it took over when the external markers became more and more prominent very few people are aware that the word khalsa meant khalis pure and there is nowhere in the entire teachings of the sikh masters about the five prominent things that are so openly blatantly displayed nowhere nowhere it's mentioned it was just simply that those who were to go to war wear this but nowhere in the teachings but over a period of time it crystallizes the outer becomes important and the inner takes recedes into the background and that's why shubhendu caution says i have not come here to create a new religion and in fact he, he very beautifully says i do not believe in propaganda except for politics and patent medicine <laughs> that's uh, uh, and he says for a work like mine it it would be like a serious poison and then he gives the example of this is what has happened to the previous efforts they have all ended up with religion and that's why the mother was so particular no new religion but human consciousness is very smart and when he talks about religion he says from which the truth receded into the secrecy of its silence leaving a empty shell and you know this empty shell becomes so dangerous because once a throne is left by the divine all the forces which are waiting they tend to occupy it want to occupy it and it become very dangerous because human beings very naturally pay obeisance because it was once occupied by the divine and then a new process starts institutionalization of something which is beyond all institutions so this is the big challenge and this challenge can only and only be overcome with one word that the mother used sincerity of the individuals who enter the great current of this spiritual movement which wants to revivify life that's what shubhendu's yoga is about to correct the distortion in the manifestation not to escape but to once again rewed what was never really separated but we have created the separation in our own mind between heaven and earth so there is the beyond and there is this material life to once again rewed these two but this wedding has to take place within us and as an extension outside us in ignorance the centripetal tendency takes the form of egoism and the centrifugal tendency takes the form of my way or no way the way i want things should be like that this is how it ego has this tendency because behind it is this this true tendency operating that there is a need in human beings to extend so then we have family so there are like two kinds of families one where the patriarch or matriarch or whoever wants everybody to behave the way he or she wants them to behave or he believes that this is the best the highest it may be a great value that's a different thing altogether and so there are people who like to keep their you know five generation families my dada ji my dada ji dada ji so sometimes when people show these photographs i ask them this is some kind of cloning or what nature doesn't favor clones because cloning means mother gives a very interesting example about how free grouping takes place she says in ancient times there was a tendency to preserve the type by 
this uh, you know it like i'll tell you i am born in a brahmin family so in a brahmin family uh, there was your gotra should match it should go to that extent it's not enough that you know a brahmin can marry only a brahmin even the gotra has to has to be taken into consideration now this effort had its meaning because in a in a certain time you wanted to have an at least a group which had to preserve the great teachings it was needed but over a period of time the brahmin was only by pandey and sharma and whatever it is and it began to lose this inner truth whereas he says when dogs are bred pure to type so they are good no doubt about it see an alsatian or someone with the master and look at you know how great and ferocious and looks almost like a lion leave that dog in the middle of you know street dogs and you'll see the difference he cannot handle street dogs that's why they use the word street smart they have grown in a very natural organic way facing the challenges of life they are not pure to type they are not pedigrees but they have learned all the tricks of the trade this is how you see lions can be brought down by a group of wolves or even foxes because you know they have learned through the hard way the challenges of life now we are not been asked to become street dogs or you know <laughs> foxes but it is to understand that there is whenever we try to create a kind of society through complete isolation nature one day or the other it will allow this experiment up to a point then it is bound to collapse in that entire trojan war it's very interesting shubhendra speaks about it in ilion that king priam and troy was a very developed civilization we really look at it compared to the tribes that time same when you see hastinapur extremely developed in in many things not just in 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 warfare so that was a very developed civilization all around were tribes in which you have one figure like achilles achilles is of course is a war machine you have odysseus you have agamemnon menelaus some of them who want to live by values but other otherwise they are warring tribes and so nature brings down troy why because it's not enough that there is one group which realizes it must generalize into the race and the mother contemplates this problem with regard to ashram and then the creation of oroville because and she says that oroville has to be porous at places you have to have interfaces it's a big challenge in the ashram there is much greater sense of you know the sentimental tendency if i may say so it's not easy to just gain entrance into the playground and certain things because uh, it was meant to first root that consciousness in a few individuals but when the collective effort started post 60 we see that aura will begins to manifest why because here now because that force has been rooted the new consciousness has been rooted there are few individuals who are striving towards it and now the time has come to generalize but again we see so many conflicts and problems started in the oroville context i can only say 
people often say that you know i mean some of us may be aware of the history in the beginning all the things which are opposite to unity it started with that so there is a book books have been written on this when i was asked i said yes because it's a divine project so in the beginning only he is taking up all the challenges these challenges will come again and again so many approximations what is important is to hold the ideal so many attempts will be there several you know it said in indian thought that in each satyug there are many sub kalyugs and in every kalyug there are many satyugs so it's that's how it happens the same tendency will come up the challenges will come up but every time it comes up and individuals meet the challenge it the force will become the weaker and weaker until we find the right balance between these two things the divine within and the manifestation without it is bound to happen it cannot be a smooth journey there are people who give up hastily they might as well have not entered because whoever believed that you know life becomes easy after turning to the divine you are entering into the most difficult challenging adventure of all times you know there should be those poem invitation i think it should be like a handout every time somebody wants to take up the yoga invitation his invitation is gone with the wind and the weather beating around me up to the hill and the moorland i go who will come with me who will walk with me so he says all around this tempest and yet within me is the spirit of freedom and pride this pride is not of course the ignorant pride the pride that human beings are meant to realize that highest and one has to go through all these challenges why because through that we learn to ultimately it's so easy to cut off from the world and just uh, become a recluse and all the time absorbed within but life will throw its challenges and they are each like a puzzle and each one will try to solve it in his own way imperfect way there is no right wrong like that there are so many ways humanity will try it takes long but eventually through many approximations the ideal will be realized that is the hope we must always shelter so during those days in the extreme orwell formation in the beginning like all early formations so many challenges so many difficulties and with the mother's physical withdrawal we all know that what began to happen and and the the nolly uh, that was asked by someone what should be done so people wanted to have these programs that we all will meet together some exchange program contact program nolida gave a very interesting reply and with which we'll probably stop and then have the questions he said let each one first grow into a gnostic being this is the reply mother also gave we see her conversations in 57 she said let each one first grow into a gnostic individual we'll talk about the gnostic collectivity later and why she said that because each time we have challenge challenges are of various kind people may join a group but they may have nothing to do with a group life they may have no aspiration they may join for very very outward reasons horrible is i don't know tax free or tax exempt or has a different taxation system many reasons very mundane reasons 
So what is the way? By some kind of external way, the mother would favor an inner way. But what is that way, inner way? Not debate, discussion. Humanity has tried all this. She says, by the growth of its individuals. Why? Because each time an individual grows, he creates a force field. That is how the Rishi's method is tapasya. So by that tapasya, a force field is created. Every tendency that we feel must be conquered. Let's say in X or Y or Z. Oh, he is very egoistic. So mother's way would be, when I make this statement, am I not also being egoistic? Look at that person. He is so callous. Am I not callous in some way or the other within myself? Look at this person. He is so insincere. Mother's teachings are so beautiful. He is not living the mother's teachings. Am I living everything in the light of the mother's teachings? And if we do that, if each one can do that effort, mother says to its maximum, then we will help the formation of a spiritualized society. Because one, if we conquer a tendency within ourselves, it will create, make it easy for others. That's where the representative aspect of an individual comes in. Because each of us is a type. Not good type or bad type. But a type which has a deep possibility and a type with it. Mother earlier used the word impossibility. Because impossibility and possibility. But said, she said that later on that no, no, I'll use the word difficulty. So we have to focus on that. And second is where she says very beautifully that one is that we have to understand the representative nature. Second, to create such a force field. There is a very beautiful passage. I think it is 1954. She says there is an opportunity. She says when you look at the world, it's in a terrible state. But there is an opportunity, opportunity for us to conquer space and conquer time. To create such a tremendous force field that when people enter it, it's like the tiger does not attack the yogi, one of the aphorism of Shirobindo. By that sheer force field, people begin to feel that need for change and will for change. And we see that this was mother's method all through. She said every time when somebody would come and talk to me about a certain difficulty, she would go inside herself, see herself and see wherever that little spot is. Shifting the needle of consciousness. So meaning thereby that any group life, you know we talk about spiritual society, lives by the spirituality of its individuals. The focus should be that. And if that focus is correct, and there are ways and means, one of the ways and means was collective meditation in the ashram, the mother spoke about it. Ways and means through which these spiritual individuals come together and join in that deeper consciousness. Because then only, it, it, will, it will automatically happen. When we join in the deeper consciousness, there will be differences, they are bound to be, because each one is unique in his own way. Then we will see that slowly, when we keep that ground of being, that ground of being is not an institution. An institution itself is a framework. An institution is the chariot. Not the Godhead. The Godhead is the divine presence within. And if we keep that as the focus, 
then we'll see that the chariot will become a chariot of Jagannath and it will become the vehicle of a perfect society where unity, liberty, equality and fraternity, they will all come together. In the end, the key Shurabindu gave is fraternity and there is a meaning behind it. Fraternity means when we deal each other with each other as brothers and sisters. Does it mean that we are trying to create uniformity? No. Brothers may be or sisters may be very different in their way of life, approach. Isn't it? We all have in family brothers and sisters who may follow very different ways of life. Yet there is a deeper chord. So this is the first thing. Fraternity is the key. And this fraternity draws its strength from the fact that we are children of the one mother. So for India, he gave that key and it's the same key for the world. He said, um, uh, the, you know, there was a vision of the mother, mother India, but uh, why it didn't succeed through all these movements? So he says that uh, Ranjit Singh, he had the vision of the mother, but only the mother of the Punjab area. Shivaji had a vision of the mother, but mother of the Maratha empire. And therefore we see how Shubindu established the mother India, the vision of mother India as a whole. And the same thing applies to this world. If you want the world to become one, if you want a true uh, spiritual society to emerge, then we must be united in the mother. Each one in his own way. When Nalida asked Shurabindu how to create collective harmony. Mother is at one place said it is the most difficult work. Human beings cannot do it. Only divine can undertake it. How to create collective harmony? One line answer of Shurabindu which for me has been like a, you know something so beautiful always to carry in the heart whenever you meet with challenges from um, Fellow humans, Shubhendra's one line reply is how to create collective harmony. He says, Union in the mother. Union in the mother. We may have hundred differences in our ways of life approaches, but we are one in the mother. We are children of the same mother. How this will come? As more and more of us human beings begin to connect with the mother that way. Not as yogi, saint, superman, supramental beings, but as children of the mother. And that's why she was so clear about it that the soul of Auroville is Matri Mandir. The center, the core. Once we remember the inner Matri Mandir, Matri Mandir is there in Savitri. We know that book 3, Canto 3. This was the fiery point that called her down. When we begin to live this inner Matri Mandir, the truth of the Matri Mandir, then automatically we will see that our very presence will become a nodal point to build harmony, to build equality, fraternity, unity, with the widest possible liberty that can ever be given because true liberty is union with the divine. There is no other liberty possible. So this is just a little bit of framework. 
If there are some questions, I'll be very happy. So, any questions or any suggestions, any additions? Exactly. That is the line where at the end of the vision of the Divine Mother, our self shall be one self with all through her. And then it follows in her confirmed because transformed in her. So there is this tendency over a period of time in all great movements for the yoga to be lost. It won't happen this time, I am sure, because the force is so tremendous. It's the divine force. So it is going to compel those who are ready to turn and draw in. That's why there is no other conversion in this. There is no formal entry. The only entry point is the call for the yoga. Spontaneously. Shubhinda made it free of all externalities because you have the call and you come. The call is by the divine. Before the call, of course, there can be contact. The contact is a different thing. But the call that this is what I want to walk, that is what is important. And to keep on reorienting oneself towards the divine mother. And now that's a question of the hundredth monkey that how many will, the more people engage in the yoga, the more automatically things will change. That's the solution she has given. The more people engage in yoga. So in religions, yoga got lost. Why? Because it, because it got too formalized very strictly in a list of do's and don'ts. But here, they have not given us any do's and don'ts except the bare minimum. That too, after the mother has given all the positive things, what it means, for instance, the charter of Auroville, to be a willing servitor of the divine. Now, this is something very interesting. So, these fundamental core things about spiritual life, to realize within, to, for the yoga to remain alive, and always individuals who can keep the fire of yoga alive. That's how, that's the way in ancient India, it continued to evolve, whereas many religions they tried and failed because yoga was lost and it became crystallized. Then it became institutionalized. It became fixed and formal. It doesn't work like that. Yes. Yes, so divine anarchy, there is a very interesting aphorism of Shirobindo. This must be. Uh, he says that anarchy is the first condition of creation and no doubt it is the crowning last. But but in the in the middle it will lead us straight to the devil. Because anarchy is each is a law unto himself. There is a deep truth within it. But if this truth is caught by the ego we'll regress back to the primitive age when each was a law unto himself. This is the deep truth, but it has to be realized with it that each one has his own unique contact with the divine and unique way of manifesting the divine, unique way of serving the divine. And if we all can do that, it's wonderful, you know, that somebody took to the mother a list of, I think it was Duman Bhai, that these people are no good, 
and the mother would find something beautiful, something good through which she was connecting. Then finally says, this person, mother, have you seen he puts these stamps so beautifully on the envelopes? So now each one has his own way of connecting. That's why in this yoga there is no fixed and formal thing. But B, the attitude should be of a willing servitor of the divine. And why this is so beautiful that you brought it out. Because as lo- if we keep the ego and I'll do it my way, I'll serve my own ego, then it doesn't work out. It has to be through service of the divine. Service of the divine is one of the best ways. It has a lot of advantages. I mean, um, if I may use the word, rapid progress in yoga because when we work for the divine our very dynamic parts are involved unlike yoga of love which can be all centered inside in adoration of the divine unlike yoga of knowledge where one is just realizing the self but when we work for the divine every bit gets involved so for a transformative yoga it's very important for all the dynamic part because work is the meeting point of knowledge love, everything else. That's why Gita is such a wide, wonderful path. So work for the divine and this work has to be a willing work. It cannot be based on catch people and put them on work. So willing servitor of the divine. And for each one it will be in one's own unique way. And if people can take to that, unfortunately many times, and I see this in everywhere, I have Travel to so many centers. Of course, I'm living in the ashram, Auroville, and I think uh, literally I can proudly say that I have traveled to maximum centers in, in the world, Shubhinda centers. And invariably, even in the name of service, in the name of becoming an instrument, the ego steps in. And that's where the distortion starts. A true servant of the divine is always humble. There is a beautiful passage in Collected Works of the Mother, Volume 2, where she says how beautifully beautiful it is to assume the role of a humble servant. And why servant? Why not slave? God's servant is something, God's slave is greater. Why? Because servant are paid wages, but slave is forever. The divine will keep him forever. Now this was the deep truth. But the human ego and right now there are so many forces I must say which have been trying to remove the divine as if you can remove and Shubhindu speaks about it that they are trying to remove God and he says whatever you may do you can't remove him because he is very much everywhere. So the problem is humanity is bound to find ways and means of connecting with God. And sometimes they do it paradoxically by imitating. So many kinds of forces are always active to foil the divine plan. That's a subject worthy of you know discussion. Always. And they do it in two ways. One is, they said, my way. I don't care about divine, all these things. The other is by imitating. Imitation is, mother has spoken of freedom, so I'll do it whichever way. Nobody is here to tell anybody to be free or not free. But logically, is there a true freedom ever possible without uniting with the divine? This is the question we all must contemplate. 
Otherwise, we are a plaything of forces. Even I call my free thought. What is free thought? It is thought suggestions in waves bombarding me from every side. And that's where she, in one of her conversations, see, uh, I would use the word divine laments. She says, well, when I was in, in what is called as the middle of my life, I met individuals who said we cannot engage in yoga, in spiritual life because we have so many responsibilities and everything. So I always felt that if given an opportunity, I'll create a place where people can just concentrate on yoga. And she says, I got an opportunity and created a space. She was talking about the ashram. And then she says, but the problem is that human nature is such that it has taken liberty for licentiousness. It's just like we have a kind of thought which takes, you know, unity for either uniformity, equality for sameness. Equality is not sameness. That's where people, it's just not possible. You know, evolution creates different types. You make stratified layers, if you don't want to use the word hierarchy. There is a hierarchy. So, she says that, People have taken, because everything is provided, so people become indolent. They enter, they become, you know, inertia. That's why willing servitor. So, then she says, it means humanity is not ready. Very powerful. And then she says, it means humanity will have to go through many blows. Because ultimately divine will will is going bound to triumph with plain speak common sense. But the more we resist as a group, the more we delay. And the more we delay, the more we take humanity to the brink of destruction. I had this discussion in the Auroville context. Somebody was asking me, no, but how does it matter? Let it take 700 years, but we'll do it through the rational way. Is it rational way? You have tried to organize, yogic way. I'm not saying rational way and administrative way. There is a yogic way, spiritual way. So he said, no, but democratic spirit. Democracy is, democracy is an old institution. And then what is worse is, I said, 700 years is fine for you. But do you understand that 700 years humanity, is? do you think it will stand on the brink? There are many heroes all around to push us down and mother speaks about one of those gigantic destructions which sees the world from time to time. She wants the prelate to be avoided. She wants third world war to be avoided. That's why she has created Auroville. She speaks about it. But freedom for the human mind is I'll do what I feel like. Everything is provided for me. It's up to me now. I'm part of the ashram or, or center group. I'll do my two hours work and everything is fine. Willing servitor will not do that. Willing servitor is ever ready. Wants more and more work. He's not in an office job. Or he's, like people often ask, how many hours we have to work? Now in ashram we have that six hours some minimum. I said, Come on, have a heart. One is all the time on work. Why? Because this work gives delight. This work doesn't mean only office work. When I meet my friend, I am part of the divine work. 
All my relationships are part of the divine working. They are not like meant for pleasure. I have done my six hour duty in the ashram. Now I can enjoy life. They are part of the same one thing. When I watch a movie, it's part of that same work because then I have an opportunity to work within myself. So this idea of, you know, that's why the willing servitor is so important. So, well, but then humanity makes a choice. Unfortunately, it's very unfortunate. People don't realize that when we, every time when we remove the divine from the center of things, worse still, make that throne occupied by human ego. It's so dangerous. So let us only hope, and uh, I am very hopeful because mother has said so and supramental force is there, that it will find its way. Only it should be nice, sweet way <laughs> and not a drastic way. But if that is required, nature takes all, way, all kinds of things. So when we don't listen to the beautiful way, when freedom is mistaken, when the divine anarchy where each discovers his own law of being is mistaken for political anarchy, that means we are inviting blows, individuals and groups, because the message has gone very beautifully and clear. Men, countries, continents, the choice is imperative. Truth or the abyss. So to sum it up, it's neither rational way nor the administrative way. It is the yogic way. Yoga must be made prominent in a group life and one place I remember very powerful, one of those writings which hits you very hard, where the mother uh, Shivindo writes, mere spread of the ideal is not enough. We want real yogins. It's, we have seminars on supermind, while supermind laughs. <laughs> we want real yogins. So that's the only way. And each one who sincerely engages in the yoga helps others. Initially it is on to the immediate field of influence and when the consciousness becomes wider than on the entire group and then the cosmic consciousness on the whole world. Uh, that's how Shubhinda said that in the ashram each one of you which engages in yoga helps everyone else. And each one of you who takes a deviant course, creates a difficulty for others. Now it's up to us, each one's sincerity. That is something given. The only freedom we have is to be sincere or not. <laughs> yes, any other question? Yes, please. So, uh, I think these terms are very uh, loosely circulated, arts for progress. Now, I'll tell you in the out, one of the biggest problem is the human understanding. So, what the divine says, the way human beings understand. It's like love, brotherhood, everything. So, arts for progress, I have seen this, I have shared this with people. 
So outside there are people who have no contact with Mother and Shurabindo or little contact. They say, yes, we believe in that. I said, what do you mean you believe in that? He says, I have done my MBBS. I want to do my MD. I have this much money. I will have more money. I have made one house. I want a bigger house. This is how they understand progress. <laughs> it's a fact. I mean, it's so shocking. So what do people mean by the urge for progress? Urge for progress can mean, and that's why in the, in, in the yoga, synthesis of yoga, when he speaks about divine perfection, he speaks about the mundane ideal and the religious ideal and the uh, spiritual ideal. These are three levels. So mundane idea of progress is simply a very egoistic, a rich egoistic selfish life. I will learn new things for the sake of learning. Now that's hardly a progress. Okay, fine, you can still. But this progress is about inner progress. Conquering one's difficulties, obscurities, realizing new possibilities, releasing new possibilities in creation by contact with the divine. Ascending to higher and higher levels of consciousness. Creating peace where there was agitation. Love where there is hatred. That's how she has put that famous. Unity where there is division. Clarity where there is confusion. Light where there is darkness. This is progress. So it's important I think that, uh, I mean, I think these programs like this, I don't know, they, they must have been held for a long time. It's important when people come to Auroville, in Auroville context I'm saying, that these things should be uh, made more and more clear through some kind of a contact like this. In Ashram it was done. There used to be classes, mother's classes. Then there were people who used to have classes. People would go and attend. Um, then there were study groups, you know. People read together. Study groups are so important. Uh, I'm sure in Norwell there are. But study groups where people develop a kind, it's a satsang. At least an individual. So that's one thing. In the Auroville context, uh, arts for progress is needed everywhere. Second, the form of the mother. Now, you see, this is one way that the human mind creates a division. And it creates a division with a very dangerous and dark motive. So I often say, okay, let's take it to its logical conclusion. We don't want any form because it is religion. So, what is the next step? Take away all pictures and photographs of the mother and Shurabindo. Next logical conclusion, we have to discover the yoga inside, so take away the teachings. I mean, it's a logical conclusion if you want to do that. So, my whole thing about it is that, okay, you don't want to take a form or it's your problem. You want to create a distinction. Shubhinder has used the word Asurik Maya in India. This never was. The form is the door to that which the form represents. It's so logical and simple. When Christ says that I am the gate, door and I am the way, is he referring only to that form? Or is it like he is referring to something very nebulous? So form has its meaning as a doorway. Of course, if you keep only the form and forget the truth that it represents, you have a tendency to crystallize in, in the form of a religion. At the same time, imagine that somebody says, now I am going to meditate upon the formless supermind. All that will have is, he will have a hyperactive mind. Next, manic depressive illness. Because a hyperactive mind will lead towards that. 
But when you meditate on mother or her name, it becomes so much easy. They want to make it easy. It's not that they want to. But it's the human ego, individuality. Oh, but it takes this route. Even then, okay, there are people who don't want to. They have a right to follow whichever way they want to follow. But there are those who want to join the form and formless. This is whole creation is about it. Do we want a disembodied creation? No, we don't want. So form is meant to embody a truth of the spirit. So there must be some form on earth which embodies the truth of the supramental consciousness. It becomes so easy, so much more simpler. That's what the Divine Mother and Sri stand for. They are not formed in the traditional sense. But when we meditate upon Sri and the Mother, then okay, yoga, we have to engage in yoga, let's come back to the teachings. When someone asks Sri I am in Bombay, so I obviously can't come to you and you know you have uh, Mother and Sri picture in my room. Can I meditate upon them? Will it help? He says, yes, when you meditate upon the Mother and my photographs, it helps because something of the mother is always present in her photographs. So, she gave, the, it's like mother's music. So, their pictures, all this is a concrete help, not just a remembrance, but a concrete help. They made it so accessible, easy. Form and formless are no two contrary things. They are one. When we make them as if contrary to each other, form only, not the spirit, then we create a religion. When only the spirit, no form, then we make the entire manifestation an absurdity. But here we are to use both. Now this is, uh, I am keeping it freed from the personal devotional aspect, which as Shobindra has said, is the quickest road it's the crown. Bhakti is the crown of the yoga. That's how he puts it. It's the swiftest, quickest way because if we follow the sequence, whosoever you keep hearing about, so that is Shravan. Whoever you think about, Manan. Whoever you meditate upon, Nididhyasan, you end up loving. Whomsoever you love, you end up becoming like that person. Isn't that logical thing? So how do you do Nididhyasana on the formless? So, <laughs> Manan you can, but Shravan. So to, to hear about the mother and Shirvindo, to, to think about them, to meditate upon them, you fall in love with them. When you fall in love with them, you tend to become Automatically, because that's the way the logic of nature operates. So it's so beautiful. But of course, people have a choice. I mean, I'm not saying that people have a choice uh, as long as they don't replace their own form. Because that's how the ego... You know, I have seen this I, and I, I can take names. Uh, first time when I went to California, so San Francisco, this about 22 years back. And so I had heard about... CIIS and you know one is California Institute of Integral Studies and I heard about uh, you know that uh, what is that CIF 
कल्चरल इंस्टीट्यूट फेलोशिप सो आई एड हर्ड दैट शुरविंदर हैड सेंट हरिदास चौधरी फ्रॉम यर टू स्टार्ट दैट इनफैक्ट ही एड आस्ट अमल किरण एंड अमल किरण रिफ्यूज सो हरि प्रोफेसर आई वॉज सो की मदर एंड शुरविंदर स्टार्टेड समथिंग सो इंटरेस्टेड वेन आई वेन देर आई वॉज लुकिंग वेर इज शुरविंदो सो देर वॉज सम काइंड ऑफ ए बस्ट ऑफ समबडी आई फो गॉट एन हूज नाउ एंड बुद्धिस्ट टीचिंग्स वे देर ऑल काइंड ऑफ थिंग्स वे देर so this is the thing which happens over a period of time now we can say that all is a movement but that when we are that when we are very vague there should be clarity nobody is saying that you offer every day pool and agarbatti that's an individual feeling but to use the form as a connect to enter into its spirit and the presence is such an aid well known aid even if we take from a very selfish point pragmatic point of view so this is how it is so you'll see in most of the religions where this tendencies towards the formless you know what they miss they miss love when they miss love they miss delight and when they miss delight they become very irritable you see i have seen people left liberal thought trying to and they are so irritated so angry so tolerantly intolerant why because i keep telling them you are missing love in your heart why because you are all analytical this is just the formless that's how they look at it so we should be very careful form is so beautiful why not why won't i love the body of the lord whom i worship within at a very personal note the ashram people asked me why did you join the ashram and i said see institution is not my issue i am a very frankly deinstitutionalized person so then why did you join the ashram i said i don't know my for me it is the place where mother and shivinda lived that's where their samadhi is that's where they put their feet and just as when you fall in love with someone everything of that person makes you happy and you join with that person that's how that's how in indian thought bhakti yoga is about that you know what is bhakti yoga when you take delight bhakti comes from the root bhajya joy when you take joy so when you take joy in the divine even the body of the divine you want to adore and worship it makes the whole movement integral why should my body be deprived my eyes be deprived my ears be deprived i don't want a disembodied self frankly it is of no use but the self with a body so when you love the divine you love the body of the lord that's all people say all kinds of things and they are free to say <laughs> that's a different thing altogether <laughs> with a disclaimer but all these people i have seen they lack this uh, direct contact with the divine presence through the psychic psychic spontaneously loves all that is of the divine okay yes please yes of course so that's a very beautiful uh, question and 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 one of the most pragmatic one i myself gone through that 20 years of being in the indian air force so you have to start with this 
there are steps. First step is, now this work that I am doing is my own service to the divine in my own way. It's a field given to us. By my own way, I mean that this is given to me. So every day when I would go to my office space, well, this is my temple, my workspace given by the mother. So I had created the space like that. Put a little picture, music, so start with the meditation and offering. All these things are there in the Gita. By remembrance, inner remembrance of the divine. Mother, you take care of now my patients, everyone whom I see. May it be you who heals, all this. So offering, remember and offer. Know that this is not your place. It is a place of worship and given by the Divine Mother. The day she wants me to be elsewhere, I will be elsewhere. So not to be attached to places, positions, power. What I am going to get out of it, pay package, name, fame, thoroughly to be rejected from the nature. Because Nishkam Karma is very important. And if we proceed like that, a time comes when she puts us to the place where we are meant to be. Now, actually this Karma Yoga is independent of being in the ashram or outside. The same thing has to be practiced. In fact, outside there are better chances that one may practice it because... You are desperately <laughs> here. There is a tendency to, oh, this is, I am part of the ashram. This mother's work, whereas all the time it's the ego which is having a play. So to replace the ego, it will raise its head in many ways by the Divine Mother. This work is my field. I should concern myself with this. Not with what my next door cabin person is doing. All this is part, package of that. Then she will take us to, slowly one becomes an instrument channel and then she takes us to where we are meant to be. In Shurabindu's yoga, there is one more step which is added. This is the general karma yoga which everyone should do, wherever they are. In Shurabindu's yoga, the mind, heart, life, body, everything has to become an instrument for the manifestation of the higher consciousness. So, one has to prepare the instruments not only through offering but also through other means. Take for example, I may see the patients and every day I may work eight hours with this spirit of karma yoga and it's wonderful. But my mind must open to the higher light to find new ways of healing. So for that the mind must be open, it must become supple, vast. How do I do it? Through satsang. With whom? With two persons. Sharbindu and the mother. <laughs> so in whatever field, I will read their books. That's how I am saying practically how I proceeded. Healing, so I read health and healing in yoga. How I can apply it? It may be any field. They have written fortunately about everything in this world. So slowly the mind, because it, it first reads, then thinks... Then slowly it begins to find ways and means of applying it. Understand the limitations, understand the possibilities. So the mind has to become wide and supple. Heart has to become wide and supple. This is something additional. It's not there in the yoga of the Gita. Because the yoga of the Gita is liberation through works. Here it's manifestation through works. So first step is common. But then the mind and heart and life and body have to be all become ready to manifest. 
And the simplest way is for the heart to get ready is to love the divine. So these are the ways. Will must be aligned to the divine will. Okay. Thank you so much.